American soccer fans, welcome to episode 82 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the game of soccer in America. The U.S. women's national team roster has been released. It came out this morning as we record on Monday, August 22nd, ahead of friendlies next weekend in Kansas City and right here in Washington, D.C. And I want to discuss that on this show, but I could not do it alone because there's a lot to unpack from this roster. So I had to bring the squad back to discuss it with me. Joining us on this episode are Sky and Sylves. They are the Shea Butter FC podcast, part of the Two Cents FC network. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us and, and welcome back to the show. Hello. Uh, hi, everybody. What's good? <laughs> it's good. Uh, I was telling Donald, bold of you to, to have me on today. I'm, oh, making, this I'm is... making a lot of friends, so it's fine. Look, look, you always, you, you know, I always got your back. So I, I always appreciate your perspective. It's exactly why when this roster came out, I was like, yeah, I need to have, I need to have y'all back to discuss this. So before we talk about it, I should probably list the roster for everyone who has been under a rock today. Um, essentially, it's the same 23-player roster that we had for the CONCACAF W Championship with just one omission. That's Emily Sonnet, who is recovering from injury. But to remind you and refresh everybody, the rest of the names on the roster we have at goalkeeper, uh, Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. Our defenders, Alana Cook, Emily Fox, Naomi Germa, Sophia Huerta, Kelly O'Hara, and Becky Sauerbrunn. Only six defenders on this roster. Uh, midfielders, seven of them. Sam Coffey, Lindsey Horan, Taylor Korniak, Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. And your forwards, Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Midge Purse, Megan Rapino, Trinity Rodman, and Sophia Smith. Also in this camp, now there's 23 players also in this camp. Coming back to just to train, she will not be on the roster for matches, but in an effort to regain her fitness, the GOAT herself, Crystal Dunn, is back in camp. So we're good, glad to see her. So after hearing all that, so just initial thoughts. And I've seen some, you know, we, we've been chatting most of the day about some of these things. But your initial thoughts when you saw this roster, the fact that it's mainly the same 23 we saw back in July. Um, it's probably not that shocking of a roster, right? I, I don't expect a lot of turnover um, in terms of a group of players that won a W. Um, coming into a friendly in my mind a friendly is the time to see other players or like we were discussing earlier at least bring in more than 23 um, because you bought in 24 the best news is Crystal Dunn is back training um, I'm sure Blacko is ecstatic because uh, she saves him a whole whole lot of the time um, if he plays her at left back I'm going to burn down US soccer <laughs> um, and he probably will because why wouldn't he um but I mean, it's fine. I'm glad Sam Coffey's here because we don't have a six. Like, that's a very real thing. Um, and she's the natural six that we have. I think Andy does fine as the six. I also think Andy might be better as an eight. We don't really have a ton of those either right now. So, um, I mean, it's it's fine. Um, I think the roster is really the problem. I think how he answers questions about the roster tends to be um the problem and I absolutely understand chemistry but he set the standard he said it's about form first and it has pivoted pretty consistently um I think in the past year year and a half and I don't think it's wrong for people to ask for um consistency with selections um but having said that like I think this team will do fine 
um, against Nigeria. Is Asisat back yet? I'm not sure, actually. Okay. Uh, I don't think they've released their roster yet. So okay, so I'm we sure also we'll find don't out know. Next week. Um, I mean, but that's a pretty good Nigerian squad. They get to the semifinals of Afcon. Yeah. Um, and that roster is good. And oh, by the way, their U20 team just went further than ours did. Um, so they have talent coming through for that for that World Cup. That Nigerian team is not a pushover squad. Um, and they have their injuries too. But I expect good things, particularly if they're in a favorable group. Uh, next year so it's probably a decent test we played them in the past what year year and a half mm-hmm. um and i think i mean i think the bigger thing is going to be the, the england game in october but um yeah i mean it's it's fine i don't think there's a lot of surprises i think there's one maybe two really big omissions but that's probably the case with every roster yeah and, and sky i think you know doubling back to the actual roster right like this roster is you know the same roster that we had in, in the W where Vladko was kind of like, Hey, this roster is not the roster that, or at least at this point is not the one that we're expected to be ready for prime time, prime time being the world cup next summer. But as we move forward, it sounds like he feels like he wants to kind of move with this group towards kind of this establishing this as kind of the group. Do you think that should be the case? And if so, or, or, or if not, like, how do you how do you want this next few months to go, especially when it seems like we're going to be playing a little bit more co- better competition? Oh, I'm like confused as to. So I'm, I'm confused because he said this isn't the group. Well, we it. he said they're not ready for World Cup. And then I guess he kind of alluded to the group would not win a World Cup. Um, But then. You know, he said form was important. But if that is true, if you did keep most of your group, you'd have to make some interchanges because people ain't been informed in club play. So that's another problem. Um, Multiple people on multiple lines haven't been informed. While other people have, over the course of them not being involved in any of the competitions, have solved a lot of the answers you need to be solved that people have struggled either to score, either to play the nine spot, um, to be in the midfield, to you know, be on the back line as natural outside backs to actually get more sixes because you clearly don't have a six for whatever reason. Um, And then um, I guess for the next few months, so I I figured he would pull the same group, but it's a freaking friendly. Like, what are you doing? You only got so many time for the rest of the year and you only have so many more windows. So, I mean, the World Cup is next year. You have several people hurt. You literally got a whole starting lineup of people hurt. And Mm -hmm. so, in key positions. So, it's like, why are you not bringing more people in to see what they look like? Particularly as players have played really well in the NWSL and other leagues, like League of Making Feminine, like me official. Um, And then, I guess the other thing is, like, yeah, you're going to England to go play, you know, a more a harder friendly so to speak but like also that would be a good time because you're going international and playing international you're going you're playing over in a like a jam-packed stadium that's going to be sold out like you know it would be a good time to bring more people to see how they react and test them but i don't know I, i guess for the rest of the year i would like to see um him actually like bringing players to like try them out to see what they look like in different positions um to actually you know 
use friendlies for their purpose to actually act like like to give me like can I get consistency in a press conference where you're not coming off as asshole um and then more importantly you're not like being really critical particularly I'm gonna keep it real towards black players um and not having like sound logic to any of these answers as to why people are admitted because it's like where is 80 French because she has outperformed two of the goalkeepers honestly all three goalkeepers in league then on the middle, about them. yeah in the midfield where are you know and, and you know his ex- explanation was you know one and uh Fallon are two goalkeepers too but you didn't invite them to camp so it's like and all three of them have been better than two of the goalkeepers you caught in or if you're in the midfield you know you are missing the six you struggling for eight your Sam Lewis is hurt so and she's a very important presence so if in the event she can't play in time you know what are you doing to try to find her replacement on the forward line you still don't have consistency all over the place and then some forwards ain't been up to snuff in the in club play and you go sit here and explain to me me official should not be in when she's doing the stuff you need your central forward to do if you're playing a 4-3-3 for why i don't know why we're doing this but <laughs> um yeah i guess for me i just would like to see us using friendlies as friendlies and examining tactics you know trying to increase if you saying this team can't if you're saying whatever's happening with the team is not going to win the world cup like they're okay cool you want to keep portion of the pool together to try to build chemistry but Bring other people in because a lot of your issues, there are solutions, but you're not bringing them in or they're hurt. So, yeah. And I mean, for me, official, right? Like, I was going to get into her, but you guys kind of alluded to it as well. You know, I asked in the press conference today, I was like, yo, you know, the spirit players, you know, I love my spirit, hometown team, defending champs, but they fired their coach in the middle of this press conference, basically. So, uh, I mean, six, I mean, it would have been seven players if, if Sonnet was, healthy but we have six and this the team as a whole just hasn't been playing well and he at first answered a question saying yeah well you know they're not playing as well as they should be but you know i i can count on them and i you know i'm gonna bring them in because i think they're gonna you know kick it up a notch and i i want to evaluate them as they do that and then the very next question i asked him about me official and she's already at a level that she's scoring goals on a consistent basis and he goes i haven't even really had a conversation with her and i haven't uh, you know, and I don't think that she is as good as some of the NWSL players. And that's where I think a lot of people online, I know you guys were were in the thick of it um, as well. But like when that happened, basically everyone was like, then you haven't been watching her because she's she scored like 15 goals in the last, what, seven months for Tigres. And she's been arguably the most consistent forward anywhere. Not just in in North America, but anywhere. She's been one of those. She's been that real deal that she that that we thought she would be when she signed with Tigres, and it led to kind of a it exacerbated to a conversation about whether U.S. soccer feels that Liga MX uh, Femenil is inferior to NWSL. And here's here's where I'm going to say, yeah, it probably is, but that's not a reason to keep her off the team, right? Like we, I mean, if she's doing well, I don't care where they're playing. I want them in camp. I want them to get that evaluation process and make it fair, right? Like, because at the end of the day, we're going to need people who are on a roll. They're hot. And I don't care where they come from. And I don't think it, if we're going to a World Cup, if if someone's scoring 
80 goals a game out in China, bring them in because that you know they can score goals, right? So at the end of the day, I feel like me officials just not getting the she's getting the raw deal because she's just not getting a right the right look. She's not getting an opportunity because even if she's scoring goals, like you guys have said, he kind of moves the goalposts down the road. I how do you evaluate how do you know? Like my question to Vlaco would be, how do you know if you don't bring her in to evaluate the talent? Like you're you're giving opportunities. And again, I think the spirit players are talented. That's not they can clearly do it, but if you're basing it solely off of, well, they've already done it, so I know they can do it, while not giving anyone else another look or another chance, how and do you know? And we've seen that, too, with, with Rapino making the W roster. He was like, yeah, I mean, I basically told her last summer that she's going to be on the team, and I just needed her to be healthy. Whereas right. other people, like Chris, Kristen Press, she, he was like, well, she wasn't going to make this roster even before she got hurt. Like, and that, it's, a and, consider, it's a consistent <sighs> issue. It's a consistent issue. And I'm just like, again, this is the time to evaluate talent. I hear the people who are like, bring them to December camp, bring them to January camp. If we're already worried about time, why would you wait three and four more months to evaluate talent? Like that doesn't make sense. We need to be building those partnerships now. And they're friendly. This is the time to do it. And there's no consistency. I'm sorry. It's not a lack of competence when a coach says to you, by the way, a coach who has not talked to the player themselves, me official probably found this out in the same press conference we found this out today. Yeah. Which is to say, oh, she has to be consistent for 15 games. Sophia Smith's our best forward, forward yeah. right now. I, I have no problem saying that. I think she's the best player in the NWSL. I think she's one of the best players in the world. I absolutely think she got a raw deal on the Ballon d'Or list. And what makes me really sad is in that Grant Wall interview, she basically said, I know you're going to overlook me because you always overlook me, right? Doesn't keep her from being a menace, a goal scorer, whatever. But even then, like, you still had to give her a look, right? She consistently got called in last year, even though she didn't make the final Olympic squad. You don't know until you see it. And I don't know if I trust the evalu- the evaluation ability of a man who played Kat Macario seven minutes. Like, I just, <laughs> I have questions about how he evaluates talent in general. And I have said, and we're, listen, he's our coach through the World Cup, unless something catastrophic happens, right? Um, but I don't think he was hired to transition this team. I don't think as a club coach, his strength has been working with young players and props to Pino for like stepping into that role and mentoring the young players, knowing she may or may not go to the world cup. Right. Like, I don't think she knows. I really don't. Um, but that's not her job. Yeah. That's why we have a coaching staff. That's why you're supposed to put people on that coaching staff who help those players transition. And I am all for chemistry, but this idea that all 23 people got to get along, all 23, like the French men's moms hate each other and they won the World Cup. Like it's, it doesn't have to be that, right? As and as I, we talked about 2015 <laughs> and 2019, the players were not fully cohesive and, you know, players have spoken out. And I, I say, I say players, I really mean one player. Yeah, we uh, all have spoken out. You all know, but they have spoken about how tumultuous it was. And even some of the players on the team have said, Hey, we kind of did it in spite of some some players and coaches on the on the staff. Yeah. Like we just kind of gelled together and, and did it because we knew we had to. And I'm not and I'm not saying that I want the environment to be like that. I don't. Right. But I do want to keep the environment where people have to fight for their spot. Right. Because if we're being really honest, however you feel about it, that's what's made us good. Right. Like that's what's made us us. And so I don't think we have to overcorrect. I don't I think 
giving players their humanity is paramount. It's tantamount. And I'm completely willing to sacrifice a World Cup for it. But I think this is an overcorrect. And I don't even think it's a correction because, like, there was stuff that didn't make sense. Like, it's like purposeful. You're taking people that are hurt. I mean, I have several questions in terms of behaviors and things where I'm like, this is just playing in more to what's happening where I've been like, what are you doing from a tactical standpoint? Mm Because, like, you have people hurt at the six. You don't bring a six. You bring one who's on one leg to the Olympics. And now, you know, you haven't seen her play this year. Uh, well, she got pregnant, but then you haven't seen Julie Arts. Uh, in the back, you like in this year it was more egregious because you didn't have uh, somebody to replace Emily Fox in theory if she got hurt. Um, so she played through some knocks. Um, you were on, you had one six effectively until Ashley Hatch got hurt, and then you could bring in the other six and still didn't play her, by the way. And you didn't play her, <laughs> and she is your six six. Uh, and so there's stuff where it's like, okay, so if you're gonna run a four three three, and that's the other thing, because like if you're a really good coach, you don't necessarily have them run a four three three because your forwards in particular, most of them can play all over the front line and can drop. Well, a couple can drop into midfield, but to actually, you know, finish chances, you know, you probably want to do a different tactical formation. Like if like it's like pick a struggle. Like, are you going to deploy certain tactics? Who are you playing? You're not playing Trinity Rodman. You're doing the same thing you did with Katarina Macario, where you're not playing her. And when you play her, she scores or assists. Like, and then you still have issues in midfield because Lindsay Horan is going to try to attack. She's not, that's not her ministry. She ain't trying to be a six. And then even when it's like, and even for uh, Taylor Korniak, it's like, you know, what? She's never had a real position in terms of midfield. So then if you're going to run a four through three, how does that work? If you're not going to make changes, then how does that work? Like everything's all over the place. Um, Taylor Korniak is like the, is, is like KG in a way where like her height has made it so difficult to judge where she is best on the field. And coaches try to put her at different positions, not knowing what that answer is. And I don't even think she knows because every time you ask her, Mm -hmm. she's kind of like, I just want to be around the ball but I also don't want them to just use my height, right? Like she says, I have skill, you know, at the feet. Right. I want to be able to right, right, right. show that. Yeah. But but when you when you have a team that's like struggling with identity and not have consistency, that's a problem. Right. Because when you go then play organized national teams and they hold a block, that's not going to help when you don't know where she's going. She don't know where she's going because you have no, I mean, you're struggling to teach players, younger players how to go. Where with the veteran players, when he right. first came, they were able to get away with stuff because they played together. Right. So he just said, go forth and go prosper. They could go pivot and make stuff. They don't, the younger players that haven't had that opportunity don't know each other like that. Um, and so it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? Because that he's actually been pretty consistent on about like he wants to play the system and it's like loosely structured and and people can sort of play within it. And I'm like, you can practice that, but that's a system you create for veterans. That's not a system you create for young people. And I'm saying this across the board. This is not just about soccer. The younger they are, the more structure they need. And I'm not saying that because they're not talented. I'm not saying that because they can't figure out a system eventually. Some of them might, but that is not how you win a World Cup. That is not how you get young people through life. That's not how you prepare them to go out into the real world. There's a reason we have structures in place to help young people. Like, it's not that loosey-goosey where... Until they ever- figure it out. Right, but you they need more structure, not less in that regard. Right. And I don't, I don't think tactically that aligns 
with shifting um, U.S. soccer. We could say we could say what we want about the men's team, right? They have a tactical structure. We don't always know. We always agree with it, right? And that, and I think about the the, the men in the sense that it took them not qualifying for it sort of to all be blown up, right? And for them to bring in the talent, regardless of what it looked like, regardless of where it played. Um, and also, we all assume this is probably not the World Cup for them, right? Like, they'll do well, but we're all eyeing 2026 because we understand you're probably going to have to play a World Cup in order to win World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get us bringing in, you know, veterans. And honestly, most of my beef with the roster isn't with the veterans this time. I actually think they've been informed. Like, I, that's not my beef. Um, even Pino, I'm like, I'm fine with calling Pino in on form. But I think there's going to come a real point where we have to start asking those those questions about form and chemistry. And my line has always been a third of your team needs to be veterans. A third of your team needs to be people in their prime. And a third of your team needs to be young players, because that seems to roughly be the structure. England almost had that in the Euros, right? Um, I would say they skewed maybe a smidge younger, but they had they had about that makeup, right? Um, and it worked for them. Like it worked, it worked for them in ways it didn't work for other teams. And we're not at the place as U.S. soccer anymore, and particularly on the women's side, where talent alone is going to do it. We don't have the talent to out. We don't have enough talent to win in spite of anymore. Like that ship sailed in 2019. So I want to stick with that, right? Like the, and we'll get to the tactics part in a second, but mm-hmm. just like based on the roster selection or, you know, picking of players, whatever you want to call it. I think we've, you've talked about like right now, this is the time for us to kind of experiment, bring in some new players, see what they can do, give them a taste to see what it's like. I think, I mean, it goes without saying, I think Vlako Indonesky is probably the most difficult job in soccer because he's going to have to narrow down a field of probably 50 players that are really good to 23, maybe 26. And the player's job is to make that the most difficult decision he ever has to make because everyone's in form, everyone's healthy, and everyone has a case for selection. And at the same time, his job is to make sure that they all have that exposure so that they all want to play and be in top form at the right time. So that again, his decision is difficult. He shouldn't be making, he should be saying, Oh, well, Pino's great. I'm just going to call her in because that's kind of where we got into a rut, right? Especially uh, when it comes to the 2016 Olympics, when we, again, we were just like, Oh, we just bring Pino because she's Pino, but she was hurt. 2020, we try to bring Julie Ertz, same thing. And we don't bring him back because they just relied on the fact that they are who they are, you know, superstars and just assumed that they would be okay. My issue is that right now, this is where I want competition. I think there should be, if there's going to be 23 spots on the plane to Australia and New Zealand, there should be 23 open seats right now. Nobody should be cruising because you never know what's going to happen. And that's on top of, as you mentioned, the starting 11 that is already out due to injury or due to maternity leave or, you know, I I don't know what Julie's doing. Um, I think, I don't think anyone knows what Julie's going to be doing, but like that sort of thing, right. Where this problem right now only becomes worse in 2023 when all those players come back. And now you have 35 players who or 40 players who theoretically could and should be on a plane to the world cup. So I think for Vladko, he needs to make that clear. 
what are your standards? What do you need people to be living up to? And it and and be ready to say, hey, I don't care who you are. If you are if if Mia Ham walks through that door and does not meet these standards, Mia Ham is not on that plane. Heather O'Reilly might be the second, you know, most informed player next year, but if she's not meeting those standards, she like she is not on this plane. Like those sort of things where fan favorites, no matter how you slice it, are going to be left home. But if you have these standards that are clear and unequivocal, then people will understand why you go with the with the team that you do. Yep. I mean, I think you said that very succinctly. Um, and I think that's where the confusion is, right? What is the standard? I, I don't know. I asked that last year before the Olympics. I'm like, what's the standard? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what Like what does Sophia Smith have to do? What does Mitch Purse have to do? And like, yes, they're being called up. But I don't know. I don't know how much more informed Midge was then versus now, right? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. the team has shifted, right? But in terms of her play, like, I don't think she's immensely better now than she was last year, right? Um, and so I think that's the confusion, right? We're all guessing. And I understand not giving away, you know, state secrets, so to speak, and, and tactics, but you can you can have a standard. You can say this is the standard, right? Um, Wegman did that, right? Like, she was like, hey, this is the standard. You have to play to this. Um, and again, I could also argue she got away with some tactical things too. Yes. Who, playing Rachel mm-hmm. Daly as a outside back is a wild choice. <laughs> yeah, don't not do that. No but <laughs> I wouldn't do that in the World Cup. Oh, I wish you would. And I think Rachel <laughs> I Daly she would should do make that in squad, October. But like, yeah, it's not, that's not the move. She probably will do it in October. She um, probably will. Try. I wish you would. <laughs> but there was also enough talent to cover and there was also enough scoring talent. Like, I like I guess I get it. I don't know if I was out of screen would I probably wouldn't. But like, okay. She also got away with it, right? Like she won the Euros and she won a lot of the Euros because young players got to step up, but they were young players who got a look, even if their teams weren't necessarily great, because in 2020 they took all the old heads and they didn't get very far, right? Um so yeah, I, I think that that balance is there. But even if you look at some of the other teams that did well, that that balance is there. And this is the rest of the world. This ain't just Europe. Like, I'm looking around. I'm looking at these U20s. I'm looking at all this stuff. Like, we're not. We have the deepest pool, but we are not the most talented team. Coming up after the break, more with Sky and Sills on the U.S. Women's National Team roster. This is the Stars and Stripes SC podcast. We are back on the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Let's get back to that interview and hear more of what Sky and Silks have to say on the women's national team roster. I want to shift to the tactics part of things. And Sky, I'm going to bring you in for this because we were talking about kind of how Nigeria plays. And I think on the men's side, we were talking about their structure, Silks. And mm-hmm. it was like, they like at a certain point, Greg Berhalter was calling in not the 23 best guys. He was calling in the 23 that he thought fit best within his system. Mm-hmm. And with the 4-3-3 that, that Vladka was running right now, it's hard to predict, right, like that he's bringing in an Andy Sullivan to play a specific role in that offense or, you know, or or to bring in a, a Taylor Korniak to figure out where she's playing. So 
Sky, when we're looking at Nigeria, a team that is, you know, they have a lot of skill on the ball. They're very tenacious. They like to go right at teams. And we saw that during the Women's Africa Cup of Nations. What style should the U.S. be playing against them, especially if we're talking about trying to figure out how to play a team like that in the World Cup? Well, don't fall into no double pivot block type thing where you effectively um, recognize that they're going to try to attack you. I mean, mm-hmm. if they do what they did to Canada, even even outside the African Cup of Nations, what they did to Canada and how they beat Canada, what, 2-0 or something? Mm-hmm. Friendly? Um, understand that they're going to attack you. So you need to be able to, one, attack back, but then, two, fix whatever's happening in your midfield. Because no matter what they want, whether they want a 4-3-3, 3-5-2, whatever, 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 five, whatever, and whatever they want to run for tactics. The biggest issue currently for national team is whatever's happening in the midfield. Like the spacing is always off. People aren't in position, so it takes them all out of shape. And then you got to hope Alana Cook or Naomi Gurma or whoever's back there can try to stop anything. I mean, potentially if everybody's healthy, you're talking about Ify, you're talking about uh, Ashwala, you're talking about, who else am I missing? You're talking about a whole front line. Jenna, oh snap, shoot. Or Dega, like, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about a whole stack front line that will, that's a front front line that'll run through what they're doing and attack them. And this time they don't have a Kristen Press and um, Lynn Williams to help, you know, on the other end, put mad pressure on them. Like, depending on what he's running, I mean, what, I mean, there have been times he's been running stuff where it's like, you knew they were going to attack you. Why are you running that? Um, mm-hmm. Where I don't know what he's going to do, but for what he's taking, I guess, at minimal, I would want to see some kind of formation where the midfield spacing is where it needs to be. If you're going to have Lindsey Horan out there, not as a six, but as eight, 10, you know, is she, working as a midfielder and not so far high up and then how is that how is everybody else if you're running a four through three and spacing in the midfield so you don't have all these crazy apps um and then for your forwards like how are we going about how they're attacking and connecting from front to back you know with the midfield uh because yeah like you're i mean this could be a you know just vibes kind of situation but I guess my biggest thing, my biggest concern for them has been the midfield and then their lack of depth for the outside backs than anything. But then after that, it'd be scoring. I guess scoring will more so be an issue for the England match because in theory, they would be stacked in a way where, I mean, they could shut them down. So then, and it's always been like that when we play England, like who is going to score on them, you know? Um, unless I throw Rachel Daly back there. But I think the England match will be, and again, this might not be the exact same lineup. So, you know, and I guess he said like, this isn't with an eye toward England. It's with an eye uh, toward the world cup, which, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but right. England can clearly be had like that defense. Isn't to me like a top five defense in the world, but it's a sound defense. Um, I think speed bothers them. <clears throat> right. But they also have found their six and that, 2019 front line and that ain't the 2020 front line we're talking about like the tunes the kelly's the hemp's the root like russo's a menace like we're not she terrorized the nwsl like we're not 
going to defend that for 90, right? And you're asking a lot of Cook and Irma, right? Who I think can cover almost anything. And I think if that back line is healthy, it's those two, it's Fox and it's Huerta. And probably a little bit of prayer, right? Because those backs attack. Um, and I just, I think that game will tell a tale. Like, I think if we have a bad showing in that game, some narratives will change. Like, I, I think we could talk a good game. But I think even if we lose that game, or particularly if we lose that game, like say we lost to Sweden, I think it's a different conversation because I think some things will be laid bare. Um, I'm not so sure we win that game. Like, I'm not. I'm not so sure we win that game. Um, having said that, you have Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman. You are in any game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I Trinity, you got a player. That's also true. And not and not as a nine, please. That's not where <laughs> she's best. That's not where she's best. And again, I get the players are adaptable, but I really think this man thinks everyone's crystal done. They're not. Like, the reason crystal done is crystal done. And mm-hmm. Again, super excited that she is back to training. If this man plays her at a left back, I'm absolutely going to riot. Like, I'm very tired. We have left backs. We have I left think backs. that's the plan, right? Or not the plan, but that would be the the, <sighs> the ideal situation, right? That Emily Fox has played, I thought, I, I think yeah, she's, she's played extremely well. Well enough that we can let Crystal be free along with Midge. There's a reason why Midge isn't, you know, hasn't been featuring at, you know, yeah. right back recently is because we've had people come along that have made it where she's able to push up and able to take more space and do what she does best. Well, okay. So my question would be, and again, I'll wait till it happens. What is the indication that he will? Right. Because Emily Fox None. still needs a backup. <laughs> right. Yep. He's not calling in any other backups, And particularly with the, Oh, I have a left back. Now I can ease crystal down back in. Right, Crystal Dunn, who does not play left back for club like ever, regardless of where I, she's played. Ironically, when Emily Fox was out due to COVID for that one game in the W, the left back that game was Emily Sonnet, who was not on this roster and also shouldn't be her, an outside back. But should not be an outside back. <laughs> no. no, no, right. And I, I don't know. Maybe he's hopeful <laughs> that when Tierna gets back, because in theory Tierna can play left back. Like I don't. I don't know, but I don't. I don't think he's going to play Crystal in the midfield. I really don't. Although that was not liars, and he's not going to put her on the forward line, even though she wants to be in the midfield or be on the forward line. Yeah. Um. And it doesn't really matter where you play. Crystal and she's Lund. your she's best great. midfielder. Um, if you play her right now, yeah. Yeah, she's your she best is. player wherever you put her. In my opinion. right, yeah. which I think is the gift and the curse, right? Because I think mm-hmm. he he very much limits where he plays her, right? So you have this utility player, but you don't utilize that utility. Right. Right. You rarely play the, her anywhere else. The the worst, I feel like the, the only bad thing that Crystal Dunn has ever done is become a top three left back in the world. Yeah. She was good at her worst position. Right. Yeah. And so um, she's sort of stuck there now. Um, and I, I, I think, again, I think every spot should be open, but yeah, if Crystal Dunn's in form, she's going right. Like, Mm-hmm. There's not another her anywhere. Um, but it's just, I just think now's the time to see. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get waiting. <clears throat> if you're truly waiting to experiment and see and evaluate talent and do all of these things, I don't, I don't get waiting. Um, even if they don't stick, right? You might see them as, you know, in September and be like, nah, it's probably not going to work. That's fine. But to write people off without ever seeing them within the team setting, yeah. when, 
again friendly windows are the time to do that it's just weird to me i mean i would try to look i would look at how many people you can because i mean you yes. got people getting injured left and right so that's what's too. gonna happen when you're a little established uh team people start getting hurt because they've been playing too much soccer um because again this is how you lost the whole starting lineup of people because they played too much during the olympics into the challenge cup situation just period but so yeah even they basically didn't have a break for two years yeah right but looking at world football even look at all the stars who've gone down right some of them didn't even play in the olympics right like it doesn't like it doesn't matter this idea that health is guaranteed never mind we're still living through pandemics right you don't know and so i certainly wouldn't write people off and i certainly wouldn't keep myself from calling people in just to see what it looks like there's no harm in calling them in there's no harm in calling in more than 23 people you know to address everybody but at least let them be in the environment at least let them train at least let them try. Some people might surprise you. And there's always a late ad, right? There's always a Jessica McDonald and Ali Long. Like, there's always people who come out of nowhere the year of the World Cup. Um, and sometimes it's out in this. Or people who come back, right? Ali Pinker was gone for two years. And then we kind of had to grovel and ask her about Right? Like, that happens. And I, I just don't get the logic of shutting off your possibilities. Um, and again, I know people you know get angry defend their favorites yada yada like i'm perfectly fine with people who i admire as players not making it but they got a right to fight for their spot just like young players have a right to fight for a spot like and if we're automatically guaranteeing spots that's a spot they don't get to fight for um and that's just to me that's not how you build the best team like that's not that's a lot of assuming it's just a lot of assuming without seeing and just writing people off. And if you're transitioning young players to not even talk to a young player on the phone and be like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Right. Like for her to find out at a press conference. That's me- like that's messed up. That's not good coaching. Like that's not good coaching at all. That's not good. That's not being a good adult to a young person. I just would have thought like there would have been at least a conversation of, hey, you're, you know, keep your head down, keep working, and, and we're watching you. Like, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but just a quick call to say, like, you're on the radar. You're just, you're not on the team, but you're on the radar. We're still watching you. And even if it's, you know, BS, but, like, make the call. Like, that's, right. I, I think that's the, I think that's what blew everyone's mind is not necessarily that she was called, was not called in. It was that there's been no conversation with her about what it is she needs to do to get to that next level. And And I hate that my question it's probably how she found out what that standard is, at least for her, because right. it's different for everybody. Right. It's also not the standard for everybody else. Yeah, which right. is wild. Like what? I'm like, what? Like, I I would have had I been on the conference. I would have been like, can you explain why it's 15 games in a row? And I would have asked him to tell me any other player who's had 15 really good games in a row. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, that's incredibly arbitrary. And I think he trips over himself because I don't know if he trusts all his decisions. Like, I really don't. And I don't know if he's the one making all of the decisions. Like, we know how U.S. soccer works. Yeah, I know we're on the podcast about U.S. soccer. But, like, <laughs> we know how this organization works. It's not a secret. And so I don't know how much is his say. I don't know how much is the Federation say. I don't know what the game plan is. I don't know what the marketing game plan is. Um, and all of the bias and the bigotry and everything else doesn't 
go away just because we called in more black players. That's not how that works. Yeah. Having a black best friend doesn't make you not racist, right? Having a black kid doesn't not make you racist. Slavery. <laughs> like all of right. it. Um and so yeah, I'm just really the talent is there, but I don't think we're handling most of this very well. And I am concerned because I don't think the systems change. And I feel my fear is like it's gonna be like the England men's team, right? Where who caught all the who who caught all the abuse, who caught all the hell. Mm-hmm. Right? They loved them until they didn't. They loved them until they didn't fit into their idea of what a black player should be. They loved them until they made a mistake. And America's not built differently. Like we're not. And so I know who's gonna catch the brunt of this if we don't get this done. I know who's gonna catch it. You mentioned the uh, the England game is kind of like a time where narratives will change. I think, honestly, the reason why those narratives will change is because it's England, right? Like, as a soccer nation, we always are comparing ourselves to England and everything that we do, even if we're better than them at a, partic- at a particular facet of the game. We're always comparing us. Then we're comparing MLS to the EPL all the way up to the national teams. So let's consider that the test, right? The first test in a series of many leading up to the World Cup. What do we have to do against Nigeria in these two games to show that we are ready for that test? Um, who, the team or the coach? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, hey, first yeah, you have to de- take it, take it, and re- take it around. Well, I mean, well, first you have to deploy tactics that make sense. Um. Uh. Because England's not going to sit back either. So how are you going to deal with the attacking? Um, I guess I would want to see scoring. Scoring where it's not hard for them to score. Because for all the they won. So, what? I mean, yes, they won. They qualified for the World Cup, but it was uncomfortable. And honestly, had Mexico not imploded on itself and Jamaica had enough, you know, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that if they had had the support and if the draw was different, we played Jamaica mm-hmm. first yeah. or Haiti's mm-hmm. not with a bunch of 18 year olds. Like that's a really different situation. You know, we don't necessarily coast through if Canada plays, if Deanna, if Deanna Rose is healthy, that's probably mm-hmm. a different game. So yes, we qualified, but how we won wasn't comfortable. Cause I mean, again, we could have lost to Mexico for all their turmoil which they would have messed around and then in theory would have been able to get into the bracket to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to see this team actually have like, look like play soccer and not be hard. Like, you know, actually score smoothly. Um, if Sophia Smith is open, she has freedom to score. You know, people not trying to set people up. I don't want to have to see Midge come and just snatch something. She's taking something to go home to prove that you got to keep me on this roster. I want there to be 11 players playing together as a team, not in spades of, you know, dysfunction. But tactically, I want to see stuff that makes logical sense. And then play all your players. Like, play Trinity Rodman. Um, play whoever. Play Sam Coffey. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think England will be interesting, right? Because I think for Euros, they basically ran, what, like a 4-2... And then, uh, like, uh, I don't know if we call it at a 4-3-3, but that front was almost a diamond, so you would drop, like, mm-hmm. Kirby back. Um, 
the now retired Ellen White would be up front, and then you had Hempo and uh and it rotated too. Yeah, and they time. rotated it, but and they would change that formation with subs sometimes, right? But you had those two wingers. Um yeah, and then you had that striker up top who I now will presume is going to be Alessia Russo, which is a very different which is a very different tactical charge than defending Ellen White. Like it just is, mm-hmm. right? Um and then I don't know if Kirby plays that role. I don't know if like Bellatoon drops like is there in the spot and sort of drops into that role, whatever that sort of playmaking role. Um oh, Ebony Salmon. Right. And there's now a spot open too, right? So do they call up Ebony Salmon in October who plays against Americans for the most part, right? Um and does really well. Like it's not like Ebony Salmon can't play against US uh, uh defenders, right? She's beaten that back line, right? The majority of the people on that back line. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know. I think what England's formation is gonna force us to do is score off of possession versus hitting on the counter. Like I still think we'll have space to do that. But with that four and then those two, you know, that stand with Stanway and uh Walsh, right? Uh Walsh back a little bit deeper, um, Stanway sort of roaming, but like it's gonna force us to break it down. And who are our players that are gonna do that? Right. Like I don't I don't think that's our best soccer, right? Our best soccer is not possession. We're not Spain, right? Like we're not going to work, or even Germany. We're not going to work through you, work through you, work through you and break you down, right? You don't have Sophia Smith and Mallory Pugh to break down a defense. You have them to to run, not that they can't possess, but that's not our game. And so I do think England's going to set up in a way that's going to force us to have to try that. And it's going to be really interesting because I don't think that's our strength. And I don't think we have the players healthy right now. Yep. Um, that are gonna allow us to do that. Like I think if Kat Macario's healthy, it probably looks a little different because she on her own can break that down, right? But Kat and Kat and Crystal like out, you know, on one side just just and maybe we have Crystal Dunn back, lives. right? Like maybe yeah. that is where you're like, oh God, Crystal Dunn, save us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it shouldn't be on Crystal Dunn at this point, right? Like that's why we're supposed to bring in the young players. It's not supposed to be on Crystal Dunn to save us, it's not supposed to be on healthy Samuels to save us anymore. Um like, it's supposed to be a total team effort. Um, and that England team is riding high right now. Like, they have no fear. They have no fear. Those young players don't don't know losing. They don't have that English doom and gloom. They're the ones who broke the curse, right? They are playing with house mm-hmm. money, and they're playing at home. Um, and so I think it's a good test. Um, but I think maybe against Nigeria, who's not going to play us like that, you're going to have to learn to play possession football a little bit. Like, you're going to have to use that time um to work work against that work at that coming at you because i again nigeria really is going to sit sit back against us um even if that would be quote unquote the correct way to do it but um i think we got to at least try to to start learning how to break down with possession because it's not our strength it's not our strength yeah all right so the last question i have before we get you out of here is um and it's kind of an unfair question i admit but i'd like you both to pick one player that you hope will step up in this camp the most right like it it can be a star player just rising to the occasion it could be someone that you think is you know borderline should not be on the team you know making taking a major step towards saying hey you know making himself important throughout this window who's the one player that you think yo i need this i need this player to step up in this camp with these two nigeria friendlies if they get played If they, yeah, and you assume that they will play okay minutes, then it's in, two. The, in this room. I got two actually. 
So Sophia Huerta, so he cut this nonsense out. So she starts. So that's secured. It's her position. She's the starting right back. Because I don't want my, I didn't know. This, that needs to belong to her for my sanity if I'm going to be watching this team from here on out. The other would be Trinity Ryman, so we can stop this nonsense of not playing her. Um, so we don't, I don't have to hear the, she's not ready, so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. You don't need to play, play her. Play her, she will figure it out. Um, she probably, she has figured it out. She scored and like assisted. I don't need this foolishness like them two. Um, that would be nice. Um, for me, I think it's a, you got to prove to me why you got called up, um, camp and listen i know she won the golden boot last year but at this point with the amount of attacking talent that we had ashley asked had to prove it to me like this is completely based off last year at this at this point um she didn't score at the w either like and i'm not saying she didn't create chances and everything else but i also think it's an incredibly beneficial place to be and she let me preface this by saying she absolutely adapted her game to be able to play well with the spirit like this is not this is not a, oh, people can't change, people can't get better. I absolutely think she's improved. But at this point, there's a lot of really good forwards. And I don't think she's better than some of the people she got called, at least in current form, than she got called up ahead of. And so that's Flacco, for whatever reason, right, fairly or not, saying, hey, I'm putting my faith in you, she'll improve. I don't think that's an unfair ask. And I think if she doesn't show, I don't think she's in England in October. Like, I, I don't. Um, and that's like that's the reality. I'm also very salty. Did we ever had have, have a chance at Ordonia's? Because I feel like we should have tried harder there. I it's hard to say, especially that's on the tough. women's side, because there's just so you know back then it was just like it. If you're if you're a aspiring dual national, you yeah. could look up at Mexico and see a lot of opportunity. And you look yeah. at the national t- U.S. team at that yeah. point, you're just like they're locked in for the next decade. Yeah. Like, where's my yeah. role? Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you, I, I, I was going to pick Ashley Hatch for specifically for that reason, right? Like she scored a lot of goals and she hasn't recently, and she needs to show that, that I think that's where there's the most level of talent that can replace somebody, right? Like, I don't, I think there's a ton of midfielders, but I think, you know, what comes to the stars, very few are going to try and replace them. They may try to get on the team with them, but right. not replace them. Ashley Hatch is very and, and again, Spirit, she's my girl, but she is very much replaceable if she cannot continue the torrid pace of scoring that she did last year. And I get it, like even on the national team, you can be, you know, terrible for your club team and come on the national team and ball out. That's what she needs to do though, because at this point, that's all we have to go on from as from a fan standpoint. Even Vlaco from a coaching standpoint it has to be like, hey, at a certain point, do you ride the faith? with bus and see how it takes you or do you say hey look again against england we can't bring someone who's not going to score we need people in this camp any like we're we're 10 people are in the field and all 10 of them have the capability of scoring we we can't take more than one traditional nine that's not the way soccer works right now mm-hmm. right like we can't yeah. we don't have we don't have it right you're not going to win a world cup that way right now okay that's the way the sport works, men's and women's, right? Like, it's not, it's just not how the sport works right now. You're, you are watching nines who can play everywhere. Yeah. I watched Bunny Shaw drop back deep and pass balls, right? Yeah. 
and she is it for like not that Jamaica does not have other talent they absolutely do by the way but like everybody knows Bonnie Shaw getting the ball like it's not yeah. a secret <laughs> she's one of the best strikers in the world right um and there's very few teams that have that like there's very few teams Alex Morgan is a dying breed like and I know we quote you know she quote unquote plays out wider for San Diego I would argue she runs post to post but and that's fine it works for her team she's got 12 goals right mm-hmm. um but that's not the way football is played mostly for country but even club at this point and so um i think we're gonna have to find some answers there and yes hatch can play make but is she the best playmaking nine we have and with the assumption that if somebody said if cat macario can walk she's probably going um if for no other reason than like popular demand and bullying <laughs> um <laughs> But, like, that's not how she plays the nine, right? And in many, many ways, we built, we started building around Kat Macario and that front three of Macario <laughs> and Pew and Smith. Like, that, that's the ideal front three with that level of movement. And, yes, we've had to adjust Kat to our ACL. Like, we, we get that. But I just, I don't think there's more than one room for more than one traditional four or forward or, or nine, I should say. And I don't know if that nine starts every game, like, even yeah. in form, like I just don't think every yeah, matchup like, takes Alex Morgan starts. I even don't. that option should be there, right? It's right, the like, option should be there, point, but it's an option. You call your number, right? you come in and score a goal. Right, but it's just not the way football works. Like but this even is not is, a traditional time. But even it's getting exploited, like because even I've witnessed in games where if you are a nine and you can't go up and down the wing comfortably, then they exploit that to effectively disrupt them trying to attack. And so I've seen that happen with Alex. Seen it happen with. Actually, um, and happened during the championship, so that's kind of low key, like a lot liability if you can't comfortably move on to other positions. Similar, if at least, or if you, if you, if the wing is not your ministry, cool, then you need to have midfield, um, mm. um, dribbling ability. Uh, you need to be able to drop back then to service, people. right. Like a bunny shell, you need to be yeah. able to get that. You need to be decent on the ball. It's even my thing with Cotelo. Like I'm like the evolution of her game is she's going to have to play out wider. Or she's gonna have to be better on the ball. Or she's gonna have to learn to shoot from distance. And I think that's the best nine in the world. Like because you can't stop. Like again, you know the ball's coming. Turn there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or popping the euros or something like that. But again, those are rare. Those are rare players at this point, right? Like. Their traditional nine for for the most part doesn't exist and so people have got to adapt like we're there now um having said that please don't play trinity robin as a nine um <laughs> yeah, i stop. just i just think she's more dangerous out wide um if you really want to make make it work then make her a left finger like we actually don't have a ton of depth at the left all of our talents on the right side like we overcompensated all of our talent was on the left side of 2019 and 2020 and 2021 I mean, there um, is talent on the left side. But again, she's not I, to me, that's not happening, right? So mm-hmm. you need a backup to Mallory P. You need somebody who's good on the ball. You need somebody who can do that. And I love Pino, but she's not going to be a year younger next year. And we're presuming health, and I know they'll do everything they can to keep her healthy. But Father Time is always marching. And I, again, think she should be called up this window. She's been very good, you know, the past month and a half or since the last, last break. Um, but like, are we taking her to the World Cup? Like, this is a very real question, right? Are we taking Becky? Are we taking Kelly? Right? Mm-hmm. Presuming Alex stays in form, are we taking Alex? Like, we we ask those questions, right? And then 
I think we're allowed to we're allowed to push back. It's 2022, not 2023, right? Like the form of now doesn't inherently matter in in 2023. And so yeah, I think if we're having an eye to 2023 again, not looking at more players doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And I think you work on chemistry starting in 2023. Like I think that that January, you know, February she release cup window is when you really start to to nail that down. I yeah, I, I think you're not, I mean, right now, the the point is, you know, some of these players that you're talking about that may not go to the World Cup is not because we don't love them. It's because we do. Mm-hmm. And we we kind of want, like, I, I don't want Megan to just walk onto the plane. I want her to be challenged and win that spot out over, you know, someone else. So right. Again, if someone's not as good as her, then great. Then she's battle tested. She's ready. And I think for all these spots on the plane, to the world cup we want all of them to be battle tested and ready and where they it just wasn't give it to them or handed to them they had to earn it on the field they had to earn it through their through their form and through their play and they may have they, they some in some of these places you may they may only have to fight you know one or two people like emmy fox may only have to fight one or two people no. to be on this plane you know the nine you may have to fight 20 but that right. but that fight you must right everyone should be fighting to make sure that when they get on that plane they go hey i'm Ain't nobody, ain't nobody beating us because I just already beat the, you know the best right. team in, in the world, and that is the other twenty three players in America who didn't make the trip. Right, like I think Krieger caught hell for that, but she was like, the second best team is probably our bench, like because she knows what those practices were like. It mm-hmm. might those practices are real, those practices are raw. Like I remember talking to a former Stanford player, and they were like, "Yeah, we beat everybody because have you been to our practices?" Like, right. <laughs> It's all the best players in soccer in college playing against each other in the practice every day. They killed each other, right? I imagine it's the same for the other big programs, UNC's, UCLA's, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think there's inherently anything wrong with that. And I, and I push back against the idea that somehow meritocracy doesn't break chemistry, right? Um, I just think we're not used to meritocracy. Right. I think we're not used to meritocracy. I think we don't think it's possible. And that's not just soccer. The world is set up like that's what isms are. It privileges a group of people. It's not about meritocracy. It's an ad- it's an advantage, right? Um, and so yeah, I I just I just want to make sure people are playing for those spots, right? Like I I just that's sort of my big concern. And again, I know that there was toxicity around that as well and the pressure to win particularly when we're doing you know fighting for equal pay and all this other stuff um but that competition shouldn't go away right like i don't think that was the bad part i'm more concerned about like our fitness and not having dawn and like we broke juilliard so i'm very scared we broke sam Lewis and we might break Lindsay haran like that's <laughs> the stuff i'm worried about um and like i don't think we learned our lessons i i think we're perfectly okay with breaking bodies just not all of them and whose bodies we're willing to break. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's my soliloquy. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate it. I, def- I appreciate both of you for coming on. Before we wrap up, tell the people where they can find all of your work. Um, Sylvia, I know you just joined uh, joined <laughs> up with uh, Yogi over at uh, Can I yeah. Kick It as well, in addition to this podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, be joining Can I Kick It. Obviously, we'll, we'll be getting into some of the you know, big stories, historical um, stories about football um, later in the fall and into the winter. So off season is our time. But I'm really excited to tell some of the stories about um, women's soccer, I think particularly Black players and, and moments and teams 
um, within the game that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to, be that stateside, be that on the African continent, and just and just trying to highlight um, those stories because I think, you know, part of this discourse is around people just don't know Black people who play soccer or who are very good at playing soccer, particularly on the women's soccer side. Um, it's never thought of collectively. Um, and ultimately our goal is, you know, soccer is for everybody. And so I'm just using another vehicle um, to do that. So part of our cultureverse and, and really excited to be with the homie uh, Yogi 804 all day. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sky, where they can find you? Uh, uh, Sky football. Well, Sky Fly football on Twitter. Um, uh, I mean, in shybutterfc.com. And then uh, we have a patron. Um, yes. So Shea Butter FC on patron. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should get my individual handle. It's at Southern Sills uh, on Twitter. Uh, have fun. I had a lot to say today. So again, probably didn't make <laughs> a lot of friends, but that's fine. You have a lot to say every day. Today, <laughs> today was just today was just a little more amped because Sometimes. of things that tired. happened. So, but yeah, I'm that, very tired most of the time. Yeah, no, I hear you, and and you can find them both on Twitter. Uh, the podcast at sbfc underscore podcast. Give them a follow. The great people and follow their uh, follow podcast. It's uh, it's really one of the best ones out there to listen to because again, their perspective is so unique and it's awesome to hear and it's honestly very refreshing, which is why I love having you guys on the show. So again, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it and you know taking the time out on on your Monday night. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And that will do it for episode 82 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. Eternally grateful if you do that. Five-star ratings and reviews are especially appreciated. Continue to send your questions and topic suggestions to me, ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. We will answer them as they come in. Enjoy the rest of your week, and until next time, take care.